Paul's mission as a commission steward of the gospel informs our mission as a church. If you would please turn to Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 24, we'll read through verse 5 of the second chapter. Before we go to God's word, let us pray that he might open our hearts to hear the very word of God this morning. Father, we thank you that you've called us into your church. We thank you that you've established the church. We thank you for the gospel, your word, and we thank you that you have entrusted that word to the church, that we would proclaim it, that we would evangelize with it, that we would live consistent with the very word of God. Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, is our prophet, priest, and king. And Lord, may we struggle, may we suffer to make Christ our Lord known. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the fullness, full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, I'm going to start out with something that I may regret. Let's talk about food. Yum yum better ice cream. In Greensboro, North Carolina, my hometown, has been one of my favorites since childhood. For over a hundred years, yum yum better ice cream has made and served ice cream and hot dogs. Nothing much has changed except the flavors of the ice cream. And my favorite as a kid, and actually now, is their black walnut. Man, is it good. And of course, at some point, they added to the menu a regional favorite, Cheerwine Cola. Anybody had Cheerwine? Yep, I knew the Monroes did, or have. But Yum Yum is about ice cream and hot dogs. That's it. That is their mission. Well, what is Paul's mission 
What was Paul all about? We learn what Paul was all about in our text today. His mission involved being a steward. It involved being a proclaimer. And it involved being an encourager. You'll find these three aspects of Paul's mission on, in your bulletin on the sermon outline. As a steward, as a proclaimer, as an encourager, Paul was about making the word of God, that is the word of Christ, fully known in order to present everyone mature or complete in Christ that everyone may walk worthy of the Lord by standing firm in the truth about Christ and his gospel so that no one may delude them with plausible argument. You got that? I'll repeat it several times. But that was Paul's mission. That's what he was all about. And what Paul was all about, his mission, it, it was unique. He was an apostle, and we are not. But his mission informs what our mission must be as the church. First, Paul tells us what he was all about. He was all about being a commissioned apostle who was a servant and who served by being a steward entrusted with the gospel message, the word of God, and to make it fully known. Look at verse 25. This is how Paul viewed himself. He viewed himself as a minister, which actually means he viewed himself as a servant according to the stewardship of God. So what was Paul saying? God the superior commissioned him the inferior as an apostle with the responsibility to serve God. And then he turns to not only calling himself a minister, a servant of God, but also a steward of God. So Paul would serve God as a steward. And the best way to understand Paul's meaning and understanding of, stu of, of a steward in the first century is a manager or an administrator of a house. The steward would manage that house on behalf of the owner. So, Mr. Carson. Anybody know Mr. Carson? Mr. Carson is the butler in the popular British historical drama set in the early 20th century, Downton Abbey. And Lord Grantham entrusted Mr. Carson with managing, literally running, the great estate, Downton Abbey, to manage it and run it on behalf of the owner, Lord Grantham. And Carson's word ruled in that house, if you've seen Downton, the Downton Abbey series. But Paul was to serve God as an apostle, yes, who was a minister, yes, who was a servant, yes, and who served by being a steward, managing that which God had entrusted to him. And so now the question becomes, what was entrusted to the apostle Paul by God? In verse 23, we're given a clue, the gospel message was entrusted to Paul. And now look down at verses 25 and verses 26. 
Paul describes that which was entrusted to him in this way, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. And we, we should not take the term mystery to mean something mysterious or secret, but rather the mystery hidden but now revealed is about the unfolding revelation of Christ as Messiah throughout redemptive history. And then look at verse 27. The, the revelation of this mystery was not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. That is what Paul meant when he said this mystery, which is Christ in you, meaning in you also Gentiles in Colossae. Both Jew and Gentile will hear the gospel, be effectually called and united to Christ in saving faith. And Paul was all about serving God faithfully as a steward, making known fully the gospel of Christ to all Jew and Gentile. But here is something else that we need to see in this text. Being a faithful steward is also being a sufferer for the sake of Christ and his church and the gospel. Look at verse 24, the last part, that Paul suffered for the sake of his body, that is the church. Going back up to verse 23 and also keeping verse 25 in mind, Paul told the Colossians, I became a minister. I became a servant in proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to you in Colossae and it's for your benefit. And then look at verse 24. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake serving as a commissioned steward, entrusted with the gospel message for your benefit. So there's a link between Paul's commission as an apostle, he, he, Paul being entrusted with making the word of God fully known and suffering. Now all we have to do is turn to the book of Acts and turn to Paul's epistles and even a cursory reading would clearly show there would be a tremendous testimony of all that Paul suffered for the sake of the church, for the sake of the gospel. And we only, if, if all we had was Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3, we would see that Paul suffered because he ministered as a steward of the gospel. Because he wrote this, this letter languishing in prison. And so Paul suffered for the sake of the gospel. And God worked through Paul's suffering to advance the gospel. Time and time again we see that in Acts and also in Paul's epistle. We also see that in church history. That where suffering comes to the people of God, oftentimes there is revival. And there is a great, there's a great advancement of the kingdom of God. Think of China and the house church movement. But I want us to see something else in verse 24. For Paul 
Paul uses this phrase, I am filling up, I, I suffer, and in so doing, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Now, what is he saying? Is he saying that, that there is some deficiency in the suffering and atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ? And we would respond, absolutely not. The whole of the Bible, even the, if, if all we have were the first two hymns that we sang this morning that reflect the truths of Scripture about Christ, clearly shows there is no deficiency in the sufferings and work of Christ. His suffering, His atonement is sufficient, is complete. He is the once-for-all sacrifice. Bill read from Isaiah 52, 13 through the end of chapter 53 about the suffering servant. It is, it is I. It is through Isaiah, God foretelling of Christ's suffering for, our, uh, for the atonement of, of his people. And so there's nothing lacking in Christ. What Paul is referring to, what is lacking in Paul's view is future suffering. That suffering of Paul in the future for the sake of the gospel that would so benefit the Colossians and benefit the Laodiceans and benefit the church and benefit us. In other words, Paul is saying is that what is lacking is that there is suffering yet to come that God is going to sovereignly use to advance his gospel. And if I suffer and the gospel advances, if I suffer and you mature in Christ, praise God, I rejoice in that, Paul says. And in a secondary sense, this future suffering includes you and me. It includes many who will suffer like Paul for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 29 through 30, when he says, For it has been granted to you, the church, that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I, saw I had and now hear that I still have. And then to recall Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew when he said this, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus saying to follow me is to live a life of suffering, bearing your cross. Paul's mission as a steward of the gospel is the pattern for our mission as a church. And we need to understand if we are all about making Christ known, if we are all, we will be all about suffering. God chooses to, to use suffering to further making Christ known, the proclamation of the gospel. We might even go so far as to say what, what Paul is saying to us, suffering is required. If you join me in this mission of making Christ known. We have been entrusted with God's word to serve him as stewards, like Paul, though in a different sense, as I've said. From this pulpit, Derek and myself must 
proclaim the truth. From our classrooms, those of you who are teachers must teach the truth. In our homes and at our workstations, God's stewards that are in this church must live, must behave, must think, must speak consistent with the truth of the gospel. And when we hold to the truth, we may and often do suffer. When we hold to the truth about marriage, when we hold to the truth about human sexuality and gender, we may suffer. When we stand for the truth against critical theory and critical race theory that has taken hold of our country, and in many respects, the church, when we speak the truth against that, we may suffer. When we speak the truth about abortion and the biblical teaching on the sanctity of life, we may suffer. Like Paul, if we are faithful to the mission of making Christ known, we suffer but may we also rejoice in that God is working through that suffering to advance the proclamation of his truth. And if there is one thing that our country needs today, is God's people standing on the truth and making Christ the truth known and not backing down. It's time for the church to get a backbone and speak the truth, speak it in love, but speak the truth. Like Paul, we are to be about making the word of God, that is Christ, fully known in order to present everyone, everyone mature in Christ, that believers may walk worthy in the Lord by standing firm on the truth about Christ and his gospel so that no one may delude them with plausible arguments. Second, Paul tells us what he was all about. He served God as a commissioned steward by making the gospel of Christ fully known. And he did this by proclaiming Christ, the second point. We are to be all about making Christ known by proclaiming Christ. And how does Paul go about proclaiming Christ? Look at verse 28. He proclaims the mystery of Christ by warning, that's admonition, by warning everyone, and then by teaching everyone, instructing everyone. And the emphasis there is on the everyone. <laughs> Warning and admonition, or uh, teaching, rather. Now, think, look at what we find with regards to the Apostle Paul's prayer that we studied several weeks ago. Look back at Colossians 1, 9 through 10. Paul prayed this. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That was Paul's prayer in chapter 1. And then later in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So here's the point I want to make. Paul prayed that the, that the Colossians would have all spiritual wisdom that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And how were they going to get this spiritual wisdom? How was Paul's prayer to be answered? It's answered by Paul proclaiming Christ by warning them and teaching them. All this points to the fact that the source of Paul's admonition and the source of Paul's teaching is the wisdom of God, the very word of God. So admonishing and teaching, Paul would tell us, go together. You really can't do one without the other. Paul admonished the Colossians by warning them about the dangers of sin and their need to repent. And he warned them based upon the truth of God's word. And then he taught them. He taught them the truth of God's word. He taught them what they were to believe and how that belief was to be rightly fleshed out in their living, in their behavior. And so he admonished and he taught according to God's word. That's how he proclaimed Christ. That's how we made Christ fully known. And this is our mission as well. As we emulate Christ, uh, Paul's mission, we proclaim Christ in warning and teaching based on God's word. As Derek and I preach, we proclaim Christ warning and teaching. This morning we have been singing hymns that Colossians 3.16, the Apostle Paul said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Even as we gathered for worship this morning, singing these hymns and songs consistent with God's word, we were about the, 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 the mission of proclaiming Christ by warning and teaching one another some of us teach Sunday school we warn and teach some of us lead Bible studies we warn and teach some of us meet with another person struggling maybe over a cup of coffee and we engage them with God's word we warn and teach in our homes we disciple we proclaim Christ by warning and teaching we are to be about making Christ known by proclaiming him. And as we do, we warn, we admonish, and we teach, we instruct. The goal of preaching, the goal of proclaiming Christ, the goal of warning and teaching according to the scriptures Paul says, is to present everyone complete or mature in Christ Jesus. 
So look down in verse 29. Paul gave himself to this goal of proclaiming Christ. For this I toil, Paul said. And he toiled even though he knew, as we know, that no one will reach complete maturity in Christ or be perfectly sanctified this side of heaven. That takes place after Christ's return in glorification. But Paul, however, gave himself to help grow and mature those believers in Colossae, in the church there, even as they look forward to that day when they would be glorified in heaven, perfectly sanctified. Paul labored to proclaim Christ, to present every believer complete, and this is our goal as a church. We are to follow Paul's example, and in laboring, I toil, Paul said. Derek and I need to toil. Our session needs to toil. Our Sunday school teachers need to toil. Our deacons need to toil. We need to toil as, as a body in encouraging our brothers and sisters in warning and teaching them both formally and informally to be complete, to move towards completion in Christ. Covenant does all sorts of things. We have a number of ministries. Just, just look in your bulletin at the number of ministries that, that we have. But all we do as a church, all we might do in the future as a church, must build upon our core mission, which is to make God's word fully known by proclaiming Christ, warning and teaching so that every believer grows to maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. For this we should labor. And in a very real sense, everything else is secondary. Like Paul, we are to be about making the word of God, that is Christ, fully known in order for, to present everyone mature in Christ that believers may walk worthy of the Lord by standing firm in the truth of Christ and the truth about his gospel so that no one may delude them with plausible arguments. And third, why is Paul's mission and our mission in making the word of God fully known by proclaiming Christ so important. Paul sought to encourage the hearts of the believers in Colossae and Laodicea. Look at the first part of chapter 2. And then in verses 1 through 5, we, we find the Apostle Paul saying that I encourage the hearts of the believers in Colossae and Laodicea in order that that no one may delude them with plausible arguments. And that really is the, the key point here in verses 1 through 5. So the target of Paul's proclamation, look back in verse 28 of chapter 1, is the heart, chapter 2, verse 2. And the result is Paul's proclamation of Christ's warning and teaching is intended to encourage them that they may be knit together in their heart and love and grow towards, the text says, full assurance of understanding and knowledge that God's mystery is Christ, who is the wisdom and knowledge of God. So why would Paul be so focused on encouraging the Colossians 
in this way. In verse 5, he rejoices in their good order. He rejoices that their faith is firm and sound, but he also knew this, that they faced false teaching, and that that false teaching would challenge the truth about Christ and his gospel. That false teaching would challenge the fact that Christ is the mystery that has been revealed in the scriptures. And Paul says, I encourage them, my proclamation is targeted to the heart that they may not be deluded with these plausible arguments, these false teachings. Now, it's interesting, as we said, Colossians and Ephesians, they're very similar books. Both are written about the same time while Paul is in prison. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, Paul makes a very similar point. He says, the office of pastor-teacher, the office, this office is to equip the saints in the knowledge of the Son of God. Ephesians 4, 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In other words, Paul is saying that proclaiming Christ, making him known, that God's people will mature and be complete in Christ is the antidote for being deluded by false uh, teaching. Paul suffered to make Christ known. He struggled to proclaim Christ by warning and teaching. He greatly struggled to encourage believers at the very core of their being, the heart, to stand firm on the truths of the gospel message and not be deluded, not be tossed to and fro. But what seems reasonable and plausible in human terms but are deceitful schemes, false teaching. Now, we'll consider more about false teaching next week, but for now, I want, I want us to see the point concerning why this mission of making the word of God known by proclaiming Christ that every believer might be complete and grow towards maturity in Christ. Why is that so essential? And it's essential because... There is much that would seek to delude us in our day as it was in the day of the Church of Colossae. We are bombarded by false teaching. If we are not maturing in Christ, if we are not proclaiming Christ by warning and teaching and embracing that warning and teaching, if we are not sold out to the mission of making Christ known, the mystery, which is Christ, the wisdom and knowledge of God, we will be setting ourselves up to be deluded, to be tossed to and fro 
by every wind of false doctrine, by deceitful schemes, by plausible arguments. Is, isn't that an interesting term? Plausible arguments, those things that make perfect sense to the world but are contrary to Scripture. They're falsehoods. And they're being made in our culture today and shouted loudly throughout our culture today. These false arguments about gender, about human sexuality, about marriage, about race, about justice, about sanctity of life, about the nature of salvation, about the nature of the church. Just to name a few. And in light of what the, the believers in Colossae faced, in light of what we face today, we should readily see the absolute necessity of Paul's mission and the need for his mission to inform our mission as a church making the word of God fully known in order to present everyone mature in Christ, that believers may walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ by standing firm in his truth about himself and his gospel so that no one may delude you and delude us with plausible arguments. Well, I remember as a boy wanting yum-yum better ice cream to be more. I wanted them to be more than ice cream and hot dogs. I wanted them to expand into french fries and hamburgers. I could not understand as a young boy why you would eat a hot dog without french fries. It still doesn't make sense to me. Yum yums did not listen to me. They were not detoured by my expectations at all. They remain focused on their mission, ice cream and hot dogs, and they resisted doing and being more. We do many things here at Covenant. Page 10, prayer, a great way to find out all the things that we do here at Covenant, all the ministries that we have, the things that we support. And, and I'm not at all speaking against that. We should be involved in, in ministry. But sometimes we may want the church to do more and be more, to have more ministries, to meet more needs, to get involved in more ways with our community, to engage our culture more. But here's the trap. If we keep doing more, we risk losing sight of our core mission. We may easily be distracted from what we are really all about. Let me ask you this. What are your expectations for this church? What are your expectations for your pastor, for your session, for your deacons? 
We need to be involved in ministry. But brothers and sisters, our mission, the core of what we are about, and I want to say this and hopefully not say in a way that promotes misunderstanding, but what we are all about is not having a slick small group ministry. Not having community outreach that makes everybody else say, wow, we want to be like covenant. I don't think we, we risk that. It is not being all things, it, well, let me put it this way. It is, not ha- it is not having a ministry for every felt need where people pull up to the gas pump and someone comes out and fills the car up with gas puts oil in their car, washes their window. We're not full service here. Yes, we need the minister. Yes, there are results and effects of being gathered here in this church that resonate in our community and around the world as we support the work of the gospel around the world, but we must not ever lose sight of our core mission. And our core mission is very narrow, and it is clearly stated by the Apostle Paul. We are to make the word of God fully known in order to present everyone here at Covenant Presbyterian Church mature in Christ, that we may walk worthy of the Lord by standing firm on the truth about Christ and his gospel so that no one may delude us with plausible arguments. Paul's mission as a commissioned steward of the gospel informs our mission as a church. Let's stay on mission. Let us pray. Father, give us wisdom as a church to be about making your word fully known, proclaiming Christ, warning and teaching, that we may all walk worthy of the Lord, being pleasing to you, And so work in us, Lord, so encourage our hearts, knit us together in love, and strengthen us with truth that no one shouting loudly in our culture today may delude us with their plausible, false arguments and teaching. Father, show us more how Paul's mission informs our mission here at Covenant. And Lord, give us grace to stay on mission. Would you take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 347 as we stand and sing the church's one foundation. <laughs>